This, this is The Industry. A show built by the working class for the working class. If you have a job, this is the podcast for you. Here is your host, Levi Jett. Hey, welcome back to the show and welcome to No Snow January. Uh, that seems to be what's going on in most of the Midwest and East Coast uh, is a lack of snow. But welcome back to the show. One of the good things about No Snow in January is there's plenty of time to watch NFL football. And this past weekend, uh, <clears throat> if you were watching, it was a fantastic opening weekend to the playoffs. Really, really exciting football. Um, I watched almost every game out there and just had a blast doing so. Uh, today's episode, we'll be talking to Chris Kelly again. Uh, he's reluctantly came back to join us. Um, be talking about this lack of snow. Uh, be talking about some landscaping and a little bit of football stuff too. Um so we'll be checking him in with him just in a minute. We'll also be hearing from our team at Weatherworks. Maybe they can find some snow for us. And you might be asking yourself, where is the co-host, Daniel Chismar? Um, Heavy D is down in Cincinnati uh, with his wife trying to sell some dogs or kids or something to that effect. Um, no, and in all seriousness, they're, uh, selling some, uh, purebred pugs. So didn't, I didn't even know this, but I mean, they're selling those dogs for thousand, two thousand dollars a piece. So that's, that's out of my price range for a pet right now. He is in transit. Um, but again, without further ado, let's get over, let's check in with Weatherworks first and then Talk to the great Scott, Chris Kelly. Thanks, Levi. I'm Rob Real, Director of Meteorological Services at Weatherworks Consulting Meteorologists. Today is Tuesday, January 17th, and finally, the pesky upper-level system that had been sitting off the East Coast is out of here. It's brought New England flurries, freezing drizzle, periods of light snow for several days. That's gone. Now, let's take attention, let's take a look out to the west, and particularly we'll start on the west coast, where it has been incredibly active. They've seen heavy rain, they've seen heavy snow, they've seen high winds over the last few weeks, but now a ridge is starting to build out over the west, keeping them a little bit drier, and ultimately it's going to help set up a flow that's more from the northwest, from Canada, into the central portion of the U.S., and that's largely what the pattern is going to be going forward. We're going to get these systems that come out of the Rockies, head through the Midwest, and towards the Great Lakes, and if you're on the north side of those, you're going to be looking at snow. If you're on the southeast side of that, you're going to be mostly looking at rain. So what does that mean? Well, places like Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, the Dakotas, going to be in a favorable spot for snow. As you head to Detroit, as you head to Chicago, somewhat St. Louis, a little bit more on the battlegrounds of things, where I do think they get into some wintry weather over the next couple of weeks into the end of the month in January, um, but they're likely going to be seeing some rain or some mixing as well. As you continue a little bit deeper to the southeast into the Ohio Valley, that's where we're leaning a little bit more on the rainy side, but I definitely wouldn't let my guard down. These tracks will fluctuate storm by storm. 
Similarly, as we head into the East Coast, the Mid-Atlantic will be like the Ohio Valley where they're going to be mostly rain, uh, but maybe we see a little bit of mixing or maybe we do see a system that's a little bit more favorable for places that have been really, really parched with snow. Again, that's the Mid-Atlantic into the 95 corridor up towards New York City. I think a lot of the wintry weather, though, will certainly be favored in New England. I think the things are really going to turn up a notch up there, especially as you head further north and further inland. But New England will likely be seeing combinations of snow, wintry mix, and rain for the next couple of weeks with a more favorable track. Ultimately, winter is definitely going to be increasing through the Midwest and portions of the Northeast. I do think some of the places that haven't seen much snow also will have some hope, but it's just going to take a little bit of time. The pattern's getting better, but I certainly wouldn't say it's necessarily great for some of those major East Coast cities for the Ohio Valley and then as you head south. Thanks, Levi. That's our update for today. Back to you. We are proud to welcome back uh, Chris Kelly who is a operations manager, a snow operations manager working out of the Northeast. Um, if you missed the first interview, I highly suggest you look it up. The episode is called the great Scott. Um, and so without further ado, Chris, welcome back to the show, man. Me back. I wasn't sure if you were going to have me back after I upstaged you. Yeah. So to be back with you. Okay, upstaged, huh? <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so how have things uh, how have things been for you since the last time we spoke? Good, good. Uh, quite a lot's changed in my life. Uh, we had uh, obviously another lake effect hit Buffalo since the last time we talked. But halfway through that event, my wife went into labor. Uh, she gave birth a month early. Uh, with my second-born son. Uh, so things got quite hectic during that event, but we saw it out, and uh, things went well for us, and people step up when needed to. So I'm very fortunate to have a group of people that were able to support me when I had to take some event. Um, and things are going really well, though. Uh, you know, it's been a very light winter for it up north uh, in northern New York, and uh, it's going well. It's good to hear, man. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, the baby was healthy, and uh, that's awesome. You guys had uh, added to that family out there, man. That's really cool. Um, all right. Good. So he was uh, obviously premature, so ultimately he was in yes. the hospital a wee bit longer than um, typically. A baby ended up spending nearly ten days, uh, but he's home wow. now with us, and uh, it's been good. Good, good. Glad, glad home, glad healthy. Good. Yes, yes. Definitely. All right. So I've gotten some feedback um, from just, you know, some different listeners. And it's almost unanimous. Um, one of people's favorite episodes so far is your the original episode we had you on. Um, why do you think that is? Ah. Uh, I don't, you were really on your toes that day. I think you were uh, very witty. And, uh, you know, you were asking all the right questions. And, you know, you just kind of carried me along that Stop. interview. And, uh, things went well. No, I think, uh, I think, I think eventually, uh, essentially, people out in the snow industry and, um, you know, personality wise, I think uh, you and I are our day to day conversations and that transitions well to uh from our friendship to a past uh, type of situation and uh you know we can really feed off of each other and you know i'm happy it did so well i really am 
So do you think that opinion uh, will change yeah, okay. once we incorporate video? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, that is a video <laughs> call or something, and people had to watch us. I think that that opinion would have completely changed. I don't think I'd be sitting here with you right now. And uh, quite frankly, I think I'll quit. <laughs> yeah, if it you, would go downhill you, quick. Yeah, you know, it would go downhill very quickly. Uh, people would uh, look at us and go, well, why the hell am I listening to these people? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so you kind of alluded to it a minute ago, but so how has winter been out on the East Coast? Because you live in Massachusetts, yeah. right? Right. Yeah, so uh, like, it's been, it's been it, tough. It's been a joke here. I mean, aside from the big storm pre-Christmas that was yeah. you know negative 30-degree wind chills for three days, um, aside from that, it's been pretty nice and there's not been much snow or ice or anything to speak of um and really it's been kind of warm but how's it been out there yeah you'd imagine this is what it's like to live in hawaii isn't it like (laughs) you know like ultimately it's been really it's been really light and there's not been much we have icing events here which is very uncommon um it's very dry warm winter um, you know, ground temperatures are warm for this time of year. Uh, I, I don't know. I'd have to look back, but I'm not sure the last January that we went through that we didn't have a, a, an actual accumulation event, you know. And right. as, as we're sitting right now, we're getting a wee bit of snow in southeastern Massachusetts, but otherwise, like, Western Mass has been getting most of the snow right on the New York line. And otherwise, that, that's been it. It's It's been quite crazy. Um, it's, it's important to ensure that when that's happening that you know taking care of all your other duties as a company and and you're uh you know on top of all the small easy things that you yeah. can constantly sorry my, my wee one's yelling in the background so i apologize if you guys are catching <laughs> that uh but no it, it, it like thing characterize your season so when the snow does show up it, if you're doing the proper things when it's slow, you're going to be able to be prepared and be able to get out there and tackle event um, or just an event. Hopefully, in this case, you know that uh, we'll be able to to you know successfully uh, successfully destroy. Sure. Um, okay. So explain to me then what's going through the mind of snow providers during a season like this. I think you, you've got two separate people right now, right? You've got, it, it's all going to depend on how you've really pushed your business and what and so on. I think you've got guys that, that bank a lot on their per inch and per push accounts. They split where you've got 50% seasonal or maybe even 40% seasonal and you gamble because you're able to make a wee bit more money on those and if you get more accumulation and if you get more uh, precipitation whereas you've got other guys sitting beside them who do that they've got 80% seasonal they've covered all their baseline costs they've covered up their employees costs they've covered up their overhead and then they're they're only gambling about 20% of their accounts so i think right now you're sitting pretty if you're that 80 20 guy where you're chewing your nails and you're sweating if your other model is wrong. Like, both models can be extremely successful in business. But a lot of the time, especially around here the past five years, into a more conservative split where it's like a 70-30 or an 80-20, where you're on a route 
and you're able to do more with that truck. And yes, it might cost you a little bit more overhead to run that truck vehicle and make sure you control your profits. Where in a per inch or a per push fashion right now, or per occurrence, whatever you want to call it, those those contracts in the past few years have, have typically been failing simply because, you know, you're really only seeing one or two pushes a week out of those during heavier snow in my area right now in Massachusetts and Connecticut. And, you know, for those guys who are used to like something like the heavy, those those accounts were were big money maker. Whereas the last five years it's been gamble with a pair inch or a pair push and uh and, and actually take away money out of it. I think um guys that have the seasonal contracts right now in the more conservative splits are the guys that are, are successful and they're being successful at the moment. Yeah, no, um it's just another another thing that goes to show you just how you need to have a diverse portfolio. Um you can't rely on just one contract model for sure. Um, but the guys who have seasonals right now are cleaning up. Um, and I mean, it doesn't really matter how the winter ends at this point. Once you get to a certain point in January, I think we're really about there. Um, I think you can probably chalk the season up as a win if you have a seasonal contract. Yeah, I could like actually, I think we're just about past the point, honestly. Where I think last week, you know, maybe the, the the you can do your finances and you can say under seasonal guidelines, I've had a successful season, so it can now snow fifty in April, and you still have have financially had a good season. Whereas you know the guys sitting on on uh, a pair of Karen's site, whether or or inch, they're now hoping that they they're begging for it to do. 50 inches, they're doing snow dances, make that snow come. And I think, uh, you know, it's Massachusetts. Ultimately, in these coasts, we're going to see snow in February. So just like last year, we had six or seven events last year into January, but then for 25 to 30 inches in February alone, uh, not including the two-foot event. So, I mean, ultimately, and it's not something you need to be panicking over yet. If you're in a pair inch or you're in a pair push contract and you're sitting listening to us, I think the seasonal guys right now are, are pretty happy chappies. I think that they're probably looking at their season as a success. Happy chappies. Your uh-huh. season as a pair of success, especially. Yeah, happy chappies. Yeah. The, your season as a pair push or a pair inch guy, you're going to be able to be very successful in February and potentially March this year. We've had a very light Nina. So, like, that's really affecting our current forecast and pattern. And I think a nice pattern here in the next few weeks. Okay. So, if you're like me, the last few years anyway, um, it seemed like almost every NFL weekend we had a snowstorm, at least in the Midwest. Um, so, given the, the warmth and the dryness of this winter, have you had a chance to watch football? You've been watching football? Definitely have been watching. I've watched the Patriots. I've loved the the because being the Patriots season um, and going into the playoffs now that it's nice and refreshing not to have the Patriots in it. You know, first time in I think it's what like seven years or whatever. A long time that um, we we don't have a team to root for. You know. So who are you rooting for then? Uh so my my wife's a Cowboys fan. Um, she and he was a massive Cowboys fan. He, I think he he had Texas roots. So uh, when we don't root for the Patriots, we're rooting for the Cowboys. So we're looking forward to tomorrow night's game. 
um, against the Buccaneers. But there's a there's a wee child inside of me watching Tom Brady play football. And I've been extremely fortunate to watch the greatest quarterback of all time play football. I called him the greatest of all time over Peyton Manning, Levi. Um, and uh, There's not even an argument. There. You know, anymore, yeah. I think you and I sat in Denny's a few years ago and we had that discussion. And I think since that discussion, it can't. I think even then, though, because you, you look at what Tom Brady did and it's just the, the ultimate mark of consistency. Um, you, you know, you show up game in, game out, yeah. day in, day out to improve. And I'm, I'm not saying that Peyton Manning didn't do that, but Tom Brady had very, very different results than Peyton Manning ended up with. Um, and but the fact that he's still out there, still doing it, he's in the playoffs, and you know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I mean, there's a lot of people that, um, are probably going to, you know, end up picking them on the money line to win that game. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would think that they're probably going to be close to favored, if not even odds, because of simply because of Tom Brady, because I, I don't think you can ever count him out. I know people down in Atlanta know that as well as anybody else. People in Kansas City do too. You can't count them out. Kansas City as well. Yeah, we're, we're on uh, people in Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, we're on to Cincinnati, famous quote. You know, ultimately, it's been an honor to watch him. So I will, I'll always root for for my favorite football player, for Tom Brady. I'll always root for him. So when you're watching these games, um, are you one that makes some bets on the sports books, or do you just watch out of pure uh, fandom? Well, that okay. Side so told me to all I needed to hear. That side told me all I needed to hear. I I well, I live in Massachusetts. So in order for me to place until this month, I had to go to Rhode Island or I had to go to New Hampshire. So the bet, wink, wink. Uh, so I've avoided betting as, as much as I possibly can. Now that it's still, I'll certainly, I've got nothing against betting on games. I actually think it brings some characters to, to some games you really don't care about. Um, I placed a bet a few years ago on a Seahawks game that was uh, a 17 to 13 ending that the Seahawks won and I was able to make some money on it and it was an inciting game. Whereas if I had not played that game, it would have been probably the slowest and most boring game I would have walked out at halftime. Uh, so, so yeah, I do uh, and bet, but uh, currently I have not bet on anything in this playoff run. Just because I haven't had the time to do my research, I, I believe betting is something that you have to actually do some research to. You have to look at your odds. You have to be able to know what you're in and you have to be able to know how you're going to beat the line. You can't just go in and go, oh, I like the Seahawks or oh, I like this team. You're going to fail miserably and lose your mind. Yeah, no, it's um, funny. I've been the example of that. Um, but see, I, I do a little research, but I I have been placing some bets on um, this weekend in particular. Um, and so the whole season was unders, 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 unders. And the first three playoff games that went over, um, which, uh, I mean, Ugh. I've made a little bit of money on that, but uh, still, I mean, but if you are if you put money on whatever it is, all of a sudden that becomes the most interesting thing ever. And that's all that needs to happen is, I mean, we went to a Pacers game this weekend at home, and um, I'm so I, hey, 
so I took the under. I took the under, and um, it was a really good game. You know, back back and forth the whole way, um, and then we get into like midway through the fourth quarter. It's looking good for me, but I, I need the game to kind of slow down. And so I'm sitting here finding myself like rooting in my head for the Hawks to play some defense against the Pacers, just so <laughs> the sl- uh, just so the scoring slows you, you, down. You're probably watching Tim. Yeah. That was a, that, that's a remarkable story. I don't I don't know if you've ever done any you know research into it. I think coming out of a documentary, but there's a there's a great podcast out there about the story of Donahue and about mm-hmm. the the betting scandal in basketball. It was it, it's it's absolutely fascinating how much went into it and how you know how there's still people in the league refereeing games that were intertwined in it. It's it's it, I would definitely I wish I remembered the name of it and I'm sorry to like you know leave that out there without actually being able to call out the name of the of the podcast. But it was uh, it was a fantastic listen. Yeah, no, it's um, I need to get those referees' phone numbers for sure. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Oh gosh. Okay, so turning the page from sports, um, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about landscaping. So. <laughs> At what point in winter do you start talking landscaping with providers and talking uh, about maybe guys that are under contract already for sure. the upcoming season? Okay. And just talking about, you know, like game plans, getting some things together and just getting in that mindset. I mean, is, is there a hard date? This is when we're going to start talking landscape or do so you have it, another it, tactic altogether? Yeah. No, in, in my game, it's a different ha- tactic simply because I don't think there's, you can ever put a hard date on something. You know, I mean, for snow and land, like if you put a hard stop date on something and you're going hard on it and you're you're trying to do as much as you can to get a provider on it or get, you know, approval on something or, or, or some sort of reason to put a hard date on something, you're almost going to likely fail on it. And, it, it, you know, you're re- my truth is I, I, I've been discussing landscape with my guys who are contracted, you know, as recently as a few weeks ago. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. we, we constantly have communication going about what our plans are, you know, because it does affect the snow side of things. So I just had a guy in Buffalo that was plowing an Amazon up there for me, and he ripped up, uh, one of his new guys ripped up some of the, the grass. So, you know, obviously that's postseason repairs and things like that, but that then generated a conversation on what our plans are for fertilization, what our plans are for seeding, what our plans for are for um, overall ground maintenance. And we had a nice half an hour conversation about it where we were able to come up with a game plan. And again, we didn't put any dates on anything yet, but there was a discussion. And I think there's always room for a discussion, especially when, and to kind of lead it back to the one of our first questions and our first discussions, especially when it's slow, you can be on top of these things and you can have those conversations with people. and transparency is massive in this game you know guys want transparency i want transparency i want to be able to call my contractor and they want to be able to call me and we want to be able to have a truthful honest conversation whereas if i feel like they're nickel and diming me or if they feel like i'm nickel and diming them we're going to be very reserved in our interactions we're not going to be able to go out and you know proactively do things because there's no trust there so we have to build up that level of trust. And that level of trust is year-round communication. So if it's landscape, we're communicating 
it's, it's simple things as mulch. Okay, you know, hey, we're, we're going to have to redrop mulch this year, so let's pull let's pull up the remainder half inch that's on the ground, or let's level it out and then drop another two inches on top of it. We're going to consider doing that, but I, I need to know in the next couple of weeks because I'm going to make an investment now while mulch is off-season. So you're looking at it going, okay, that's a good question. So then you can, you know, go to your customer, have that discussion, then come back and have the discussion with the vendor about the the approval and all the things of that nature, you know. So it's, it's consistent communication. I never stop talking. And you know this just from working with me. I never stop talking Not with much. my contractors. I've all, I always have a game plan in place for something because I'm the type of person where I want to cover all my bases. I always want to have an answer if someone comes calling for my contractor and for my customer as well because a customer is essentially a contractor too. So... If they call me asking about mulch, I better have an answer for them. If they call me asking about fertilization, I better have an answer for them. So that conversation takes place even during events. Yeah. You know, like when damage occurs, it's like, okay, well, let's actually touch this real quick while we're having this conversation. What's our plan on that? You know, let's communicate this proactively and people are really going to love that. So everybody all around is having a successful season and we're transitioning into another successful land season now because there's plans in place for what automatically what they want to do. The only thing you really want to put a hard date on, and like I just said, I don't really like hard dates, but the only thing I really like to necessarily put a hard date on is a pro-season cleanup or a pre-season cleanup in land. You know, where I'm getting the guys out, we're getting everything cleaned up, we're getting equipment off site, and we're, we're doing some repairs. And that way they know the customer, we're rolling into the next season, you know, guns blazing, you know, and, and they're going to be very comfortable with that. Yeah, no, I um, I was out this week, um, this or this past week, uh, looking for some out-of-scope opportunities um, on some sites in my portfolio, just trying to you know, get those documented and um, get some proposals in, and, yeah. uh, you know, try to use this time to, to get kind of caught up on, you know, some of that stuff. And, yeah. um, you know, I couldn't agree more though, you know, it's just an ongoing conversation. Um, and, but again, you know, when it's, when the weather is light, it, it just, you know, it, it gives you so much more time to have these conversations and to start game planning um, going into the green season. Yeah, it's it's something that communication's key. And I, I say that to everybody. You know, if you're sending, you know, if you're on it, it some of our customers were on an instant message group with the with the vendor and with the customer and with myself. Uh, when that that trifecta is occurring, that's the perfect path for success. It can it can be a major failure as well. Don't get me wrong, but if we're communicating properly, we're sending pictures over of things we're noticing. Like you said, you're proactively going out looking for out of scope opportunities and things of that nature. If we're doing that every single day while we're out and about, definitely during the slow the slow season, we're out and about and we're able to you know find opportunity. We can then communicate that and be able to have that conversation where maybe they didn't consider it. And they didn't think, oh, you know, that that's not something we would have ever done, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's just being proactive and having that line of communication open uh, is is massive. You know, customers are always going to enjoy that. Absolutely. So now that we're talking about snow and land, kind of begs the question um, to you personally, which do you think is more difficult or easy to manage, land or snow? Oh. Well, that's a very good question. 
Um, they both have unique challenges, 100%. Uh, I, I think, you know, the gut reaction is snow um, just because it's it's there's no way of telling what's going on. I think with land, you have at least the capacity to be able to understand how a season's going to go. And other than rain, there's no real nature effect that's going to impact that season. With snow, you can go from something like this, where in Massachusetts we've had not even 10 inches of snow so far this season, on the eastern Mass seaboard at least, into, you know, two feet in, in, in a week. You know, we can have, you know, de-icing events, de-icing events, and then dry and then a de-icing event the next day because of refreeze because it dried out. I think it's just like the opportunities that present itself in snow are they're not necessarily harder to deal with. They're just a wee bit more challenging at times because you can't necessarily foresee it. We do everything we can, like we say, to prepare for them and to be on top of it before they show up and to have that vision of them showing up. I mean, everybody pays someone. I know WeatherWorks come on here with you and have that conversation for for your listeners. Absolutely. And I think that's a massive tool. WeatherWorks is an amazing company and fantastic to work with. Um, they're, they're an industry leader, uh, but they can't even call it, you know, 100 times out of 100 you know, and right. I think that everybody can do everything they possibly can to try and be prepared, but there's always going to be that one squall or that one small event that, that we, we saw in one model, but the other three didn't call for it, but that one model actually ended up being correct. Sure. So I would say snow. I would definitely say snow. Snow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I could agree with that. Um, I, I think that it's I think land is more demanding because mm-hmm. it's week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there really is no stopping uh, once it starts. Uh, whereas, you know, snow season, again, it, it is um, hit or miss. And it's always up in the air. But, mm-hmm. but years like this, um, you know, it's not not too bad. Um, and, you know, you look at it and say, OK, like around here in Indianapolis, you may only have three or four plowable events in a year. Um, and, you know, really we're, you know, blazing through this winter right now. Um, and I know during the pre-Christmas storm, some guys, you know, plowed just a, a, a very little bit. Um, but, I mean, hell, the the winds uh, blew most of the snow off the properties. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, I mean, you're, you're just at a point now where, you're limited on the events you're going to have. And uh, I don't know, you know, to me, it's putting all of your resources together for one event. Um, you know, you're putting all your eggs into one basket and, you know, let it rip. Uh, where again, you know, landscape is just more, more measured. Um, to me, it's snow is the easier one. Um, to That's fair. hundred percent. I completely, you know. I completely understand that perspective. So I guess what I, I think I, I would say to that, is we've kind of answered the question in the sense of it being a geographical question, right? Geographically speaking, where are you located? So which like California, Southern California probably tell you that that landscape seasons are a lot worse than snow season, (laughs) right? It's a lot harder. Uh, Whereas someone in, you know, Minnesota is going to tell you not snow season, especially Northern Minnesota, snow season's a lot harder than land. So I think that um, it's really kind of all the the different variables that go into the equation and it's all the different um, aspects that you can't control. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'll tell you, as someone overweight, uh, landscape's a harder thing. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah. listen, it, it, I yeah. love sitting in a plow truck in the warmth and in, in <laughs> cracking the window a wee bit. So when yes. I'm plowing, I'm getting a little yes. bit of cold air while also getting the heat hitting me. It's, it's fantastic. And uh-huh. there's a real certain peacefulness about seeing your strobes hitting the, uh, and that's right, I do have strobes. You know, because I am that hard old type of guy. But seeing right. the strobes hitting the snowflakes as it's coming down, you know, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Uh, I think land, it's it's physically a harder job. You know, when I first started riding on a, a, a standard mower, I had a right mower that was a standard. It was a 52-inch standard. When I started okay. riding that thing, I never realized the impact it has on your back and your shoulders, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. constantly running on that. That that was that was the first world problem, sure, but it was still tough, you know. Whereas you know you can also get out and you're push mowing. Those kids are out there push mowing. Yeah, they're eighteen. They're not breaking a sweat. You just wait till you see me out push mowing in the wreck that I, looks like I belong in a Planet Fitness. You know, working out. <laughs> yeah, it's an absolute mess. You know, like so, especially hardscape. You know, when you get when you go deeper than just residential or commercial typical you know let's call it you know lawn care essentially because that's you know the basic of what people do and then you you then go into the landscaping world of like hardscape and about building patios and things yeah it's it's a heck of a lot harder but uh, at my level and what i have to deal with i would say that snow is just the more challenging aspect of the job well you did get one thing right we should both be spending the time we're spending doing this at Planet Fitness. Yes, and we're not even sponsored. So Planet Fitness, no, if you're right. listening, yeah. <laughs> um, we are very interested. Levi could we, really use your help. We and, can't afford uh, that ten dollars a month. I know Dan could use the help too. I'm fine. I've got I've got a wonderful thing in my life called procrastination. So I'll get there eventually, but Levi and Dan would be gung ho for that. You, you just just give them a call. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sponsor tomorrow. Um, okay, so I got one more question for you. You've already asked the question I ask everybody, um, every guest that comes on in the first interview that we did, yeah. and I can't remember what you said to Patience. that. It, it, it was some sort of Scottish Scottish. Uh, <laughs> wisdom you know exactly Um, exactly yeah but all right so my co-host uh heavy dan isn't in this interview um he's down with his family either selling dogs or kids or something down in cincinnati i've heard about that yeah so um do you have any messages you would like to relay to dan oh certainly i've got a message for him i i've been I, after I heard about the, the dogs crossing state borders, I just wanted to make sure he knew that I've alerted the Indiana ASPCA of the, his uh, transactions and the fact that he's able to bring dogs across borders to then make a financial. I mean, I wouldn't say he's the Jeffrey Epstein of dogs, but he's he's really getting there at this point. You know, he's it's really painful. pushing that boundary, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's... Uh... It is deplorable for sure. It is. I just, you know, these are, these are household animals. It's not a farm animal and you're bringing it to another state to then try to make a profit. You know, it's like he's, he's becoming the door dash of dogs. So I think uh, (laughs) he should know that I'm also going to alert the IRS of his transactions. So he should expect to be audited sometime soon as well. Yes. Good, good. Um, I'm, I'm glad you have some things in motion. Um, oh, definitely. Really need to get completed. We don't need another Michael Vick down. All right. All right. 
So, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh yeah, right. oh yeah. Uh, that's, I think that probably you've, that comment should be made again, in the after been... hours. You've got your editing crew ready to go, right? That's probably not something you want to leave in there. <laughs> nah, we'll leave it in there. Right. Um, but nice plug for the after hours show. I appreciate. Yeah. That. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't try to drop the ball. Yeah. yeah. Soon, but yeah. There we go. No, no, you're good. You're good. All right. So once again, you've been a phenomenal guest, Chris. Really appreciate your time and can't wait to have you on again, man. Of course. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you again. I'll talk to you soon. Chris is absolutely, I mean, absolutely the best interview. Um, Something about the accent. I could listen to him talk literally all day, no matter what he's talking about. I find it hilarious. Um, And especially when he's talking crap about Dan, nothing gets better than that. So just about to wrap this show up before we do, um, we have the industry after dark, which will be released, uh, later this week, uh, kind of a, it's an after hour show. Uh, that's what it is. It's, it's, uh, going to be a fun show. I'm going to be a stupid show. I'll tell you that much. Um, but we're really excited about it nonetheless. And, uh, the first episode of that will be getting released later this week. We also have a Facebook page up for the industry, which we'll kind of share with the industry after dark, um, at least for a while. Um, so please make sure that <clears throat> check us out on Facebook and, and like and follow us. Um, give us some feedback. And uh, we are also um, going to be live streaming here really, really soon. Um Looking to live stream on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and probably on YouTube as well. Um, so that's going to be coming uh, very, very soon. Uh, probably next week's episode uh, will actually be a live stream. Um, so really excited about that to get that going. Uh, so yeah, just more stuff in the works here. Um, again, trying to deliver the best product we can. And uh Try to be entertaining. That's the number one goal of all this, right? So, all right, I'm going to get out of here. We will see you guys next week, and we'll see you later this week on The Industry After Dark. Thanks for listening to The Industry, a show built by the working class for the working class. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you're at it, help us spread the word by leaving a rating and review. 